Well, praise God. <clears throat> well, today is our communion service, so we are going to be having communion. All of y'all out there at the broadcast at the end of the service, we're going to be having communion together. You're included in that. So uh, if you if you didn't get any communion ready, well, you need to go find something right now um, and be ready at the end of service. Amen. And so anyway, I'm glad y'all are all here this morning. I want to I want to tear into a word. So get your Bibles out. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. <clears throat> now, preaching this, I don't know how many weeks I've done it, but uh, several weeks about I, I was preaching and I, I told you all the story and, and you have to go back to the first message about, you know, because I'm dating myself. 1985, 1986 song that was real popular. It's called Radically Saved by a man named Carmen. And uh, I never forgot the lyrics to the song. And uh, black is black and white is white. And I just forgot it. No. <laughs> That's telling my age right there. Black is black and white is white. And hell is hot and sin ain't right. And God is holy and Christ is coming and righteousness will prevail. And so I've, I've shared all through those things. But I, I got on to, and I want to get into it. So you just have to go review those messages to, to pick up all those other parts. But righteousness, I got to talk about righteousness, about being led in paths of righteousness. And then I, I shared Wednesday night about, you know, Psalms 23, about the Lord leads us in paths of righteousness. And I was talking about paths of righteousness. And so I, I want to expand on that this morning. But, but what I want you to see here is, is to come to an understanding of something. I want to try to change your thinking about righteousness today. We're going to have communion at the end of service. I'm believing God when you come up to the pulpit and you, you, you uh, participate in communion and you have communion with God that he's going to touch you in a way that you're going to walk away from the service today seeing righteousness in a different light. OK, so let's read it here. John 16, 7. Jesus is speaking. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming on the earth. And he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So Jesus says, man, it's, listen, it's important. It's, it's, it's expedient. It's it's so important that I leave. Now, that doesn't make sense. You'd want, seems like Jesus should just stay around. But then you can you imagine how big his church would be this morning? If he was the only one preaching? Everybody would want to go see Jesus, right? And so he said, no, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit out. And the Holy Spirit's going to go out. And the Holy Spirit's going to empower every believer. And that every believer then empowered by the Holy Spirit is going to be me working through them. And it's going to be more powerful than anybody could ever imagine. But he's going to do something. The Holy Spirit's going to do three things. Okay, go back and look at it. He says he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit's working. Okay, to reveal sin, to show everybody what righteousness is, and to tell the world that the devil's been defeated. Are y'all with me? All right. So what we've done as Christians... And it's the fault of the church. 
You know, I, I'm not going to blame it on, on individuals or any denomination. It's just been the fault of the church for wrong teaching. We tried to teach people to try to be good. And the bottom line is y'all are all rascals and ain't one of you going to be good in your own power. And without the power of the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to be good. Hello? Come on. You know I'm preaching good. If all of us left to ourselves, we're rascals. We're not going to do the right thing. Right? We're not going to care about the poor. We're not going to care about orphans. We're not going to, 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 to do everything right. We're not going to treat people right. We're not going to forgive our, our, our enemies. We're not going to be nice. Love our neighbors. Love our neighbors. Oh, yo, ho, yo, yo, boy, live down the road. I don't love him. You know, that's what you're going to say. You're not going to get into the, because in the nature of man, in the heart of man, in the center of man, okay, you had to be redeemed. You had to be born again. You had to take your spirit that was not right, and then God had to make it right. And what causes you to want to do right, come on now, listen to me, is the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you causing you to walk in paths of righteousness. But I, I used this illustration last week. If you're, if you're like a, a pinball machine and you're just rattling from one side of the bumpers to the other all the time, you're just bing, 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 just going down. That's how you're walking the path of righteousness, okay? You don't got no straight line. Well, it gets a little difficult after a while. If the only thing keeping you in the kingdom of God is guardrails, you know, like you're just fighting God every time, you know, you hear the preacher preach, I don't want to do that, you know, and so you're just scraping along a guardrail over here. And then, then, you know, then you, you get along and you kind of ease up and then you're back kind of into the middle of the road, you know, going, you're doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear something else or somebody angers you or this or that or the other. And then you're just like fighting against God and his word, Right. What you're doing is what's making your, your walk with Christ difficult is you've not really chosen the path of righteousness. What you chose is <laughs> your path wanting to go to heaven. Isn't it always amazing to me that everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? All right. But isn't it also amazing that we all believe in God, that he's the creator of the world, but we think we're smarter than he is. We think we have a better way. We think we know what he should do, what he, how he should handle things, how he should bring everything about, how he should manage the world, how, of course, how he should be managing our lives. And then it always amazes me about people when things don't go the way they think they should have gone, well, then they're mad at him for not doing it. And then their theology instantly changes, and God could have done that if he would have, but he didn't want to, and why didn't he? And I'm mad at him because he didn't do this, and that's not right, and this isn't right. And then they turn into a whole deal, and then they're all saying, yeah. All right. So I want to show you three people this morning. I'm, just, I'm, I'm getting to preach this morning because I, I, I got three stories. So I, I, go to Psalms 107. Psalms 107 verse 1. I got three types of people this morning. You got to figure out where you're at. You're in one of these three spots this morning. The first one's the up and down people. Everybody say the up and down. Everybody say I've been up and I've been down. The up and down people, okay? But you don't want to be an up and down person. Psalms 107, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, has gathered out of the lands... 
from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way. Oh, that they might go to the city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's read on. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Listen to what he says there. It says he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. But do you notice that the souls that he filled there were longing and hungry? Okay. Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God. Why'd they do it? Why were they bound in afflictions and irons? Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. They thought they, thought they knew better. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of the distress. He brought them out of darkness into the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful work for the children of men. In other words, these people are like, one day when everything's going good, they're up and they're serving God. And God is great and we love you. And then they go down and they start doing what they want to do. They don't listen to the word of God. They don't listen to the counsel of God. They start living by their own ways, their own means. They get themselves caught in distressful situations and problems and trials and troubles. And then they cry out to the Lord and then he is so gracious. He doesn't look down and say, you got to be kidding me, jerk. You doesn't know what he's listening to me. You forsook me. I told you what to do. Go out there and suffer. No, he has mercy and compassion. He's gracious and he reaches down and he pulls them up. Knowing they're probably going to do it again. But that's God, man. He is so loving. He is so merciful. He is so unbelievably gracious and kind to us. He reaches down and picks us up when we cry out to him and he, and he lifts us up and cleans us off and gets us all back straight and, 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 and gets everything done. Hello? <laughs> but they're up and down. These people are living life. They're up and down, up and down, up and down. So a lot of the Christians in the world are like this. Like I said, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to die. They want to go and they want God to bless them, but they don't really want to do it the way God wants them to do. So therefore, they get themselves in trouble. They get themselves in depression. They get themselves in discouragement. They get themselves in despair. They then turn to God and they come back and he delivers them. But that, that's a hard life. Hello? It's a hard life to be up and down like that. It's a hard life to be distressed and crying and, 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 and in a mess all the time, right? And only a little bit of smooth sailing. All right. So let me show you the next people. Now, these man, these take the cake. OK, go to Numbers 16. Numbers 16. Now, I just call these people wicked at heart. All right. I don't know how I don't know any other way to, to, to put it. I've told you all through these last few messages that we, the Bible says that God wants all men to be saved, right? 
Everybody to be saved. But he also says many are called and few are chosen. So just because he wants everybody to be saved doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved, right? There, there are people on this earth, I cannot understand it, that are just so uh, whatever, that they're just going to not want to ever serve God, not ever want to believe that Jesus is Lord. They're going to end up in hell because that's what the Bible says is a place for those who are eternally separated from God. Now, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to think about it. But you have to understand those people exist on the face of the earth. And they're not going to change. All right. So look at this. I'm in Numbers 16.1. This is where the rebellion came against uh, Moses and Aaron. It says, now Korah, the son, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Now, <clears throat> note that. This guy was a son of Levi. The Levites were the priesthood that God had ordained and called all the Levites to be his own people. Okay, so the Levites were the ones that were in charge of all the temple things. They were the priests. They were the ones in charge of the, you know, they had different divisions of them. Some were slaughtering animals and some were setting up the, the, the tabernacle and different things. But <coughs> excuse me, they were the they were of that tribe of Levi with Dothan and Abram the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben. Now notice these are sons of Reuben. They were not Levites, okay? Reuben was the firstborn child. They were not in charge of anything of the temple. They were Reubenites, okay? And they took men and they rose up before Moses and some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representing the congregation, men of renown, men of renown. So they went to the tribe. They got men of renown, people that 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 they wanted to be their spokesmen. These weren't just typical bunch of just little yahoos that came coming up and said, I'll go say something. You know, they were they were men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. What? This isn't what's going on here. So let me, let me go on a little bit. Okay, where am I? Why every one of is, is, upon, is the congregation is holy upon every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Mer Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and all the company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers and Korah and all of your company, put fire in them, put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses, that one is holy. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. So. Moses says, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take your incense pan. You're going to put some coals in there. You're going to put some incense on it. You're going to burn it up as a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And you just step out in the middle of God's presence. Let's just see who God's, what God wants to do. Okay, it's like a showdown. We're going to see what's going to happen. So it says, it goes on. He says, then Moses says to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, it's a small thing to you that God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to him, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them. And that he has brought you near to himself, you and your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. And you are seeking 
The priesthood also. So in other words, it wasn't enough. He says, you're saying to him, you were right here. You were in the presence. You were, you were what God called, and that wasn't enough for you. You want everything. Is that what you're saying, guys? You want everything. Okay. Therefore, you and your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? For Moses sent to call uh, Dothan and what's this guy's name? I looked it up and already forgot it. Abram, how about that? No, Abiram, something like that. What is calling Mr. A? And the sons of Eliab. And they said, we will not come up. It's a small thing. Listen to these guys. Listen to these yahoos. Said, we'll not come up. It's a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. What? They were slaves for 400 years. Pharaoh's beating their backs, making bricks. And they say, you brought, you brought us up. You, you, you brought us up into a land that's so slow of milk and honey, nor give us an inheritance of our fields or our vineyards. We didn't get anything that you promised, so we haven't seen anything. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Whoo, boy. They're pretty high-minded, aren't they? Then Moses is very angry. He said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have taken, I have, I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord. You and they, as well as Aaron, let each take his censer, put the incense on it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censers. And every man took his censer, put fire in it, he laid incense on it. He stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Now Korah gathered all the congregation against him at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, better get out of the way, boys. Separate yourself from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. So here's Moses. I tell you, this guy is amazing. God says, get out of the way. I'm going to smoke them all. And what does he do? Falls down on his face, intercedes for him. And so he says, and Moses rose and he went to Dothan and, and Abram and the elders of Israel followed them. And he spoke to the congregation, depart now from the tents of these wicked men, touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents and they came out and they stood at the door of the tents with their wives and their sons and their little children. Moses says, by this, you know, and you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do these works for I have done them of my own will. If these men die natural like a man, or if they're visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive to the pit, then you'll understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking the words that the ground split apart. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up in their households and all the men of Korah and all their goods. So that all those that were with them went down alive into the pit. And then the earth closed back over them. And they perished from among the assembly. Then all of Israel who were around them fled at their cry. I, I imagine. For they said, least the earth swallow us up uh, also. And the fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, said, tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are, they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance. 
The censors of these men who sin against their souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. Now, this is the story. It's pretty wild, right? But the point I want to make this morning is that these were the religious people of the day. They were the Levites. They were the the priesthood. Are you with me? And they rebelled because they didn't think things were going right. Okay? Now, hear what I'm going to say. And I'm I'm, I'm putting this into this time that we live in now. Be careful because there are men and there are pastors, there are churches, there are denominations heading down roads that are not roads of righteousness. And they're going down the road saying, no, we have a better way. We, we, you know, God, his, his texts are out of date. The Bible is a little out of date. This is not quite what it should be. Uh, you know, God's more, I mean, you know, he loves everyone. It's more open. We need to do this and we need to do that. And they're steering people off the path of righteousness, because they're making up their own ways of doing things. They're saying, oh, God's among us all in the same sense. God's among us all. Oh, no, everybody is a priest. they're They're changing the word. And I'm just telling you straight on here this morning because I just so stirred up about that. I look at these things and I listen to what other pastors are saying and I, I listen to where people are going and what they're listening to. And I'm like, holy moly, people are getting off the path of righteousness and going down a road and the ground's going to open up and swallow them up. I don't know if that's literal or how that's going to happen, but I'm telling you, God's about at the time and point where he's put up with it as much as he's going to. And I really think the only reason why God has not done something sooner is that the prayers of the saints have gone up like Moses' prayers and interceded for these idiots, and they're not listening. But God's saying, okay, just for your sake. But I'm 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 thinking, hear me now, hear me now. I'm thinking, God's just about said, okay, you think about this. When Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, Lot and his family was saved, right? But Sodom and Gomorrah, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't repent and they didn't get saved. And I'm telling you, we're in a day and a time right now that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm seeing people that are, should be leaders and leading people and standing up and leading people into righteousness who are compromising their faith and compromising the gospel. And I'm telling you, it's not going to end well. And I'm not going to let y'all as sheep, everybody out there listening on the broadcast, I'm not going to let all y'all as the sheep of, 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 of this flock go astray and get led astray when... I ain't going to have the ground open up and swallow me up. I'm going to preach righteousness. So there's a certain amount of people that are this up and down Christians. There's other people that are really, truly wicked in heart. And those people, I'm telling you, are lying, deceptive, doing everything they can to influence you off the path of righteousness. And you better be clinging to the path of righteousness in these days and this hour. I do. I'm sorry. Y'all can tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, well, then I don't know. Y'all can lash me out in the parking lot, I guess. But I just feel in my heart I am grieved. I'm grieved about America. I'm grieved about everything going on. I'm grieved about what I see. I'm grieved about the lies and the deception and the depths of it and, 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 and the horrible, wicked things that I knew better to do, not to do when I was a heathen than even knowing I'm a Christian. And, and, and people are walking this and doing it, and I'm just like, what are you, what? You're supposed to be leaders, and you're not leaders. And I'm grieved. And I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to go well with America. 
I'm not, producing, I'm not preaching doom and gloom here. I'm not preaching the end. I'm just saying to you, there are certain people that are not going to get away with it. That's my point. Now, can you imagine that you were in that, in that camp today and you were over there like, whoa, Cor, he sure is pitching up big old fit over there. You know, I wonder what's going to go on there, you know? I mean, there's six million people, right? So it's not like, it's not like, it, like we're just sitting here in this side of the congregation, the ground opened up and swallowed y'all up. And we were all sitting there saying, whoa. I mean, we're talking six million people covered a lot of ground. So you could have been, you know, you could have been a half a mile away, mile away from where everybody's getting swallowed up. What's going on over there? And then you just see people running, run. Would you hang around? Would you go over the edge and look? Whoa, man, that's pretty deep. I mean, I think if it was me, I'd run, right? I mean, you just don't know. I mean, you know, how exact is God's opening? I mean, you know, rock might slip. I might fall in. It wasn't my fault scratching or anything I could, you know. So you got to understand, you know, like I think everybody kind of ran. Well, what I'm expecting to see happen is I'm expecting God to do something where all of us are going to have to stand back and say, whoa. See, a lot of people are believing right now for like we're going to have a, a, a revival that's going to just like everybody's just overnight going to get saved. But there's people out there that are wicked in heart that they're going to get saved. And I'm saying what may happen before the revival or something like that happens is everybody may have to step back and say, wow, did y'all see that? What was that? Why did that happen? What's going on? Well, may just be God. May just be God saying, I've had enough. I'm moving up some ground. I've had enough of this. I don't know about y'all, but I, you know, I want to stay on God's good terms. Now, I don't do everything right. I'm not talking about that I'm living a perfect life. But folks, I'm clinging to the path of righteousness. You know, like a, like a, 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 a blind person would have a, a cane and they're always feeling in front of them where they're going. Well, I tell you what, when it gets dark around me or I start getting off, I start feeling a lot because I don't want to get over into the brush. If I start hitting brush, you know, I start hitting tall grass. I know I'm getting into the bar ditch. And I stop until I can feel around and say, oh, OK, now, oh, no, here we go, because <laughs> I don't want to do that. Because, I mean, just my life is just like your life. And I, I, the other day, I, I, man, it was just like, it just seemed like everything, I was irritated about everything. And finally I stopped and said, Lord, why am I irritated about everything? Why, why do I just feel irritated about things? Irritated, I'm just irritated. And then the Holy Spirit just took me through a little deal that, you know, I was getting off in my thinking and believing something that wasn't true. And, 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 and I stopped and I said, man, I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. I, I repent right now. I, 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 that's not what your word says. Your word says this, and this is what your word says, and this is what's going to go. And then I felt it all leave. Well, all, all that I did was get out of the bar ditch. And y'all know around here, there's no smooth exit from the pavement into the bar ditch, right? Hello? I mean, you hitting, throwing up rocks, and I mean, everything's going all over, and, you know? And so that's kind of the way it was. And as soon as I got back on the road of righteousness... Well, then I, it was smooth sailing again. Then I was like, oh, okay, Lord, now see what's going on. But it has to do with the determination of your heart. You can't say, okay, I'm going to do everything right. You're not. It has to do with your heart choosing to want to be on the path of righteousness and have the Holy Spirit lead you in the path of righteousness. That's where it starts so that then you can flow on it. It's not you being, God, give me the strength to do everything right today. You're not going to make it. 
You're setting yourself up for a fall. Right? God, today just give me the mind of Christ and the wisdom that I will do everything perfect. You're not going to do it. No, it's Holy Spirit, keep me on the road of righteousness today. Keep me on the path of the, the, of the road going with you. This, it's a narrow path, but you can keep me on the Holy Spirit. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. That's how you stay walking with Jesus. And the moment this kind of stuff would creep up in your heart, if you're a person whose heart really belongs to the Lord, then you're going to say, look, I don't care what Moses and Aaron does. Just leave me alone. I'm just going to be over here. I'm going to do my job for the Lord, and that's it. I'm not going to get over in there into hating somebody else or thinking I'm, I'm, I need to be in a different position. No, 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 no Lord. That, see, you're going to back up because your heart's over here in the kingdom of God, saved and loves Jesus. Hello? Y'all got this. All right. So the third person. Now go to 2 Kings chapter 7. And I'll show you the, the last person here. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. That's where I'll start. This is the story of the four lepers outside the gate when Jerusalem has been, uh, a siege has come against it and there's a famine inside of, of the city and they're all about to, going to be starving anyway. And there's four lepers outside. And so let me just read it, starting in verse 3. It says, Now therefore were four lepers men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Okay, so they're sitting outside the gate. Just think about this. They're, 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 they've got leprosy. They got, you know, they're losing fingers and stuff while they're sitting out there. All right? And so they looked at one another and said, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine in the city, we're going to die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, well, we'll live. And if they kill us, well, we're only going to die. I mean, this is the way these guys are thinking. I like it. And so they arose at twilight, and they went out to go to the camp of the Syrians. And just stop right there for a second. So these men were chat, these men just sat there and came to the reality. If we go in the city, there's a famine in there, we're just going to starve to death. If we just sit here, we're going to starve to death. If we go to the camp of the Syrians, they may kill us, but oh, what's the worst going to happen? We're going to die. We're going to die here, or we're going to die in there, or we're going to die by them. Maybe it'd be quicker by them. But then again, maybe they might take us in. And if they take us in, they're going to feed us. <laughs> Are y'all with me? I'm not that old to make this statement, but I have, I, I, I kind of feel like Solomon in a sense. I've, you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen this and I've seen that and I've seen this. And, you know, I, I haven't found any other way to bring joy and happiness in life, but living for Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I have seen People strive to become wealthy and become wealthy, and they're still not happy. I have seen people try to, you know, do this in and, and, and business, and they, they accomplish it, and they're still not happy. I've seen them, persons say, well, I'm not going to do anything, and I'm just going to sit over here, but then they're still not happy. The only thing that brings true joy and peace and happiness in life is a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? So what I'm saying to you about these four leprous men is this is a choice you have to make today. In other words... You have to come to a place in your life to say, listen, man, living out there for the world, going out there and doing that, eh, ain't going to work. Going over here, eh, ain't going to work. Going over there, nah, that ain't going to work. Going over there, no, nah, that ain't going to work. 
And I want one path, and I'm going to choose today to just walk the path of righteousness with, with you, Lord. And whatever you choose for me, whatever I do, doesn't make any difference as long as I'm on the path of righteousness. And the person who makes that choice then becomes this next thing that happens. He said, now come, therefore, let us come and surrender to the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they'd come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has, has hired against us the king of the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians, to attack us. Therefore, they arose and they fled at twilight. They left the camp intact in their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came into the outskirts of the camp, they went into the tent, they ate, they drank, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. Can you imagine this? Just, just shortly before their decision to go to the Syrian camp, they got three Chances to die and one that something possibly might happen. Those aren't very good odds, right? Go in the city, we'll starve to death. Sit here, we're going to starve to death. Go to the Syrian camp, they're either going to kill us or we're going to get... And the next thing you know, they're eating. Man, they're eating. They got, they're picking up the gold, the jewelry. They got swords. I mean, they're playing. They're probably fighting, you know, uh, fencing each other in there, you know, messing around, having a good time. And just... I don't know what the length of time, but just let me give it to me. Hours before, they were contemplating death. Now, they're enjoying the feast. And I'm telling you, and you hear me, everyone out there on the broadcast listening, everybody in here listen to me. I'm pleading with you and begging with you this morning. Forgive. Forget. Do whatever it takes in life to stay on the road of righteousness because the road of righteousness will lead you to this place of feasting and wealth. If you choose to just stay mad and stay angry, you're going to drop like a prune and be miserable. Nobody around you is going to like you. You are going to be ugly, ugly, ugly. And that person you're mad at isn't going to be harmed one bit. They're not going to give one care about it that you dried up like a prune. Matter of fact, if they're mad at you, then they're happy you dried up like a prune. I'm pleading with you. Stay on the road of righteousness because the road of righteousness leads to life. When you get off over there into worry, into trouble, into fear, you're in the bar ditch and you may be headed in the same direction, but you're in a rough spot over there. You're going to come across a tree in the bar ditch and you're going to run into it. Living in the bar ditch is no good. You say, well, pastor, I understand what you're saying, but it's just so hard. It's just so hard. It's not when you surrender to the will of God and, and desire to stay on the road of righteousness. It's not when you set your heart to say, Lord, I just want to walk the path of righteousness. Quit saying, quit saying, Lord, I, I'm just wanna, I just want to be good and do everything to serve you. Because you're going to always be disappointing him. Just say, Lord, I, by your blood, I'm walking in the path of righteousness. Because righteousness is a road, it's a path. 
You become righteous when the blood of Jesus comes over you and washes your sin away. But this path I'm talking about is a path of righteousness. You stay on it. You're going to get to the place of victory. So look what happens here. These guys are sitting here. They're eating and, and they carried the gold and silver and their clothing. And they went and they hid them and they came back to enter another tent. They carried some of that away and they went and hid it. Then they said to one another, listen to these guys. Listen to these guys. They're getting convicted. Are we doing right? <laughs> that is the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I mean, oh, before that, they're plundering, eating and plundering. And now all of a sudden they're like, what are we really doing right? See, that Holy Ghost is talking to them. See, folks, listen to me. It's a good thing to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Amen. When the Holy Spirit taps on your shoulder and says, don't do that. Then you know what? That's a good thing. You don't fall on your face at that moment. And say, oh, God, I'm such a sinner. I'm so sorry. No, that's a time to say, oh, thank you. I'm still saved that you're talking to me. These guys got convicted. They said, are we doing right? And so they said, this day is a day of good news, but we're, we're remaining silent. Oh, church, listen to me. We cannot at this moment in time be silent. Oh, the devil wants the church to shut up. They want us to quit singing. They want to shut us down. They want us to, they don't want masks on us. They want us, they want us gagged. Hello? They're going to come up with a new one where you got to take that mask and twist it and put it between your, your mouth and then hang it on your, your ears and tie it in the back. So you're shut up and you cannot talk. I'm just telling you, have you heard anybody complaining about the Muslims, the Buddhists? Have you seen them down there? Have you seen anything about shutting everything down? Don't, don't let them talk. No, it's just the Christians. We've got to shut them down. And that just excites me because I see battle lines drawing. I see you're just about to call it out. I want to tell y'all something. Listen, I want to say it. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> they and them that are listening to me, enjoy it. The other night during the presidential debate, I watched the miserable thing. Okay. I, 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 was, I was like up on the edge of my seat, like hanging there. Ah! And so anyway... Uh, anyway, I, something, because I was praying about it, I was kind of saying, Holy Ghost, show me what's going on, show me what's going on. And, and at this one moment, it was like I could see when Chris Wallace was trying to get President Trump to say he denounced white supremacists. And, I, and he just kept at it. And, you say it, and it's, it's white supremacists. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. And the president kept saying, well, what do you mean? Are you talking about a group or whatever? And it looked like he was cowering from it. But just think about this, folks. Just think about this. If the president of the United States comes up and says, that's it, you know, he, he just makes a blanket statement, all right, that who's going to start saying what a white supremacist is? And then the next thing you know, oh, those bad, bad Bible-believing Christians, you know, they don't believe in same-sex marriage. Their Bible says, and then a bunch of haters, you know, they're white supremacists too. You watch them saying, we were that close. We were that close the other night from being labeled white supremacists. And the next thing you know, they're going to be beating down your door because you're that mean, ugly Christian. And see, it's real easy for me. Because I'm, you know, I'm ready for a fight anyway. And it's really easy for me. Just call, if I got to fight because I, I'm remaining a Christian. <laughs> I, 
I mean, no brainer. You know, they say, okay, we're banning blue jeans. You cannot wear blue jeans anymore. Everybody has to wear slacks. Well, I'm like, oh, man, you know, this is a tough one. You know, I mean, I don't want to do that. But I mean, dear Lord, is it worth going to war over that? You know, I got to wear slacks. Can we have dockers? I never forget when Pastor Randy first started pastoring the church. He was trying to bring culture into my life. He took me down there and had some pants, got some pants for me. Proper church attire. And I never forget the guy was asking me all kinds of stuff and he was trying to fit me, you know, and he was pushing around on everything. And I was like, no. He said, where do you wear your pants? I said, where everybody wears your pants? Right down here. I mean, you don't go above, you go below, okay? What are you talking about? And I'll never forget, they put those pants on me, and I got them on, and I was walking around, and Pastor Randy said, what do you think? And I said, I feel like I have my pajamas on or something. This is ridiculous. How could you wear these things? I said, man, I'm going to have to wear long johns underneath them. I said, this is ridiculous. It's just, it's just, it got no... Anyway. <laughs> In obedience to the Lord, I ended up the pair. As soon as he left, I got rid of them. <laughs> That's Pastor Randy, not the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Point is here, folks, is what I'm saying to you. When the fight comes down to it, that's an easy one, right? You're going you're gonna to denounce Jesus? No, I'm going to believe my Bible's true. Oh, this is what it is. I mean, you know, come on. It's an easy one. But I'm telling you, the fight's getting there. The fight's getting so obvious. It's just like it was with these, these four lepers here. It's so obvious. If you go over there, you're going to die. If you go over there, you're going to die. You go over there, you're going to die. Well, let's go down here. And God's going to bless you. Hear me now, church. I'm telling you, God's going to bless you when your feet start going down the path of righteousness and your feet are going to sound like an army going out across there. And you're going to start to see things and miracles and signs and wonders in your household because you've committed to the way of righteousness and you're not going to be led astray to the left or the right. And when you do that, that's when the blessing of God starts pouring into your life. All of those around you, everything and miracles are going to take place, all that's going to go on. Now, this story goes on, and there's a funny thing about it, because Elisha the prophet had said to the gatekeeper, had already prophesied this day was coming, and nobody could believe it. And so when the lepers went back to the city, they told everybody that, hey, the Syrians are all gone, and the camp's empty down there, and they went and checked it out and came back and said it was. Before the gatekeeper could get the gate open, or as he was trying to open it, all the people run out and run right over him and, and killed him. And that's what, I, that's what Elisha had prophesied would happen. And I just believe there's a lot of naysayers standing around saying, well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And they're just going to get run over by the crowd that's running to the power of God. Because at the same time, the ground's opened up and swallowing up people right there. Those that have been sitting on the fence are going to jump off the fence and run for Jesus. So I'm believing for a great revival right now in the sense of a lot of souls being saved. I'm believing right now for a lot of people to have been sitting out there just kind of, you know, uh, kind of mealy mouthed about going and serving the Lord or whatever. You know, I think they're going to jump off fence. They're going to run for it because they're going to see the ground open up and swallow a few of them up. It's going to happen. I'm declaring it today. Like I said, if I'm wrong, y'all go out there and lash me, I guess. Run me out of town on but the pitchfork. But I'm just telling you, I believe this is, a, this is what God's going to do. There's going to be those Christians that are up and down, and they're just going to go up and down, and, and there's not much you're going to do with them. There's going to be those wicked of heart. The ground's going to open and swallow them up. But those of us that choose to walk down the path of righteousness, God's going to bless us. 
And we're going to see great signs and wonders and great things done. But everybody else that's messing around, hanging around over in the bar ditch, going to be bad, going to get rough, going to get rough. Now, I want to give you one scripture and then we're going to have communion. Go to Jeremiah 15, 16. And this is really, I'm, I'm quitting Hit this one. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah, the Lord's telling what, that what's going to go down, what's going to happen. And he says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. He said when he found the word, he ate it. And the word that he ate, it didn't make him mad because he had to do it. It didn't make him envious of the wicked that weren't doing it. He said he ate his word and it brought him joy and rejoicing in heart. So my, my question to you is today, everybody out there watching, everybody in here, does the word of God make you happy? Does the word of God bring you joy? Does the word of God make your heart rejoice because you're, you're, you're believing him even when he's telling you that you need to alter or change what you're doing? If it does, that means you're on the path of righteousness. If, it, if you're still out there in life and you like parts of God's word, you just don't like other parts. I want to tell you something, you're not on the path of righteousness. You ain't got out the front gate yet. That's right. You haven't because you haven't really made a choice. You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but you're not willing to walk in his ways. You believe he's the son of God. You believe in heaven, but you're not really believing that he brings life. And so what my point is to you today is we're going to take communion and you need to get your heart right. If you're out there listening and watching the broadcast, I just want you to know God loves you. He loves you right where you are, but he wants you on the path of righteousness. And so you need to repent. You need to get your heart right and you need to get and you need to cry out to God as you're taking communion today and say, God, today I want to be on the path of righteousness. I want to be with you, Jesus. And if you do that, then he's going to come in there and he's going to touch your heart. And the Holy Spirit, who is the one who guides you, which we're going to be talking about more and more on the path of righteousness, will come and he'll start speaking to you and he'll start showing you things to come. But you've got to make the choice. You've got to make the choice. You cannot sit on the fence any longer. You've got to walk the path of righteousness. So what I'm going to do in here for y'all, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to have communion. We're going to, there are some, some individual servings in, in cups if you want to do that at your chair and, and not come forward, but we're going to serve you communion up here. And so I'm going to go through the communion service. I'm going to go ahead and break the bread and, and, and bless the elements. And then I want to lead you at home through the service. And then we're going to end the broadcast. And then I want to serve you all in here uh, today. But right now, start beginning to thinking about your heart and where you are. Amen. It's a powerful thing, communion. So many times we, we, just, we just overlook and, and, and just make it like, like a church ritual, you know? And it should never be that way. Communion should always be a time that we're going to spend here with the Lord.
that we're going to get real with him, even just for a moment to close your eyes and to, you know, to, to, to have that, that one moment with the Lord. That's what this communion is all about. Amen. And so we know that what the scriptures tell us, that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. So, Lord, we thank you for your broken body for us. So, Lord, that we could be whole, we could be complete, we could be, Lord, everything that we want, we need to be in life for you. So, Lord, I thank you for this bread, and I bless it, and I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Then afterwards, it says he took the cup, and when he gave Everyone, the cup, he said, now this is a cup of my, a, a new covenant that's poured out in my blood for you for the forgiveness of sin. Let's take it and drink it in remembrance of me. So this is your, your sign, your seal of the new covenant that says you're, you repent, your sins are forgiven. You don't repent, you retain them. And so we don't want to do that because then you're going to get in the bar ditch. And so today, Lord, we thank you for this cup and for this cup being poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So for those of you at home, take your bread now and break it and eat it in Jesus' name. Now take your cup take and drink and Lord I thank you for I thank you for blessing them with everything they have need of right now in Jesus mighty name amen can I have my prayer team come down up here and help me serve everyone